Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is News Folder 19. Benjamin Netanyahu listened to this podcast, but he's too busy trying to be the other side's Hitler. If you're in Palestine, you're liable to have a Weird Al Christmas. What do I mean by that? Anybody over 55 will probably recognize this song. It goes kind of like this. This is how it ends. It's Christmas at Ground Zero. Now the missiles are on their way. What a crazy fluke. We're going to get nuked on this jolly holiday. All right, I can't sing with a damn but I made my point. Today's stories include the aforementioned Palestine, wrongfully convicted people, Starbucks, Roundup, and more. So let's get right into it. New story number one. This first story is actually two stories in one about people who were wrongfully convicted, one of them in Australia. First, a man convicted of murdering a Minnesota flower shop clerk largely based on a single eyewitness identification has been freed from a sentence of life imprisonment. Marvin Haynes was 16 when the killing, which sent him to prison for nearly two decades, happened in 2004 in Minneapolis. After leaving prison Monday, Haynes received a formal apology from the local district attorney who said prosecutors had zero forensic evidence, zero surveillance video, and no murder weapon linking him to the deadly shooting of 55-year-old Randy Shearer. Quote, that should have made any prosecutor hesitant to bring charges because eyewitness identifications are often unreliable and one of the leading causes of wrongful convictions, unquote, according to the district attorney. Not only are they often unreliable, but they usually are. Studies have proven this over and over. At a news conference, Hain thanked his family and the Great North Innocence Project. The lone eyewitness in the case was the victim's sister, whose last name was McDermott, who has since died. Randy Shearer and McDermott were working at Jerry's Flower Shop in Minneapolis in May of 2004 when a man wheeling a gun charged in and demanded cash. Shearer was shot dead, and McDermott fled the store. So if one is fleeing, how can one accurately describe a crook? Fact is, most people can't accurately describe another person after 30 seconds of purposely studying them. Despite that, however, authorities charged Haynes four days later, even though they stated he was, quote, younger, 50 pounds lighter, significantly shorter, had much longer hair, and a different manner of speech than the man McDermott described to the police, unquote. Another supposed witness recently admitted he didn't get a clear view of the person fleeing the flower shop, 
but felt pressure by the police to make potentially inaccurate identifications. Yet another supposed witness said he initially told investigators he didn't know about Shearer's killing, but implicated Haynes after being threatened with criminal charges. What makes this extremely interesting is this. The top local prosecutor at the time of Haynes' conviction was Amy Klobuchar, now a Democratic U.S. Senator and one-time presidential nominee. A few years prior to this conviction, Klobuchar's office successfully prosecuted a teenager named Mayan Burrell in connection with the killing of an 11-year-old Taisha Edwards, despite a lack of a murder weapon, fingerprints, DNA, and other evidence. And this just doesn't happen in America, folks. In Australia, Kathleen Fulbig was reviled as a baby killer in Australia's most hated woman when she was convicted in 03 of murdering three of her children and for the manslaughter of a fourth based almost exclusively on diary entries that dealt with her frustration in raising children with unknown medical issues. It turns out, many years later, when research by a team of experts led by an immunologist found Fulbig and her two daughters, Laura and Sarah, carried a rare genetic variation known as COM2G114R. It suggested there was a high chance the deaths were natural. In addition to genetic evidence and fresh medical research by an international team of scientists, which concluded that the two boys, Caleb and Patrick, they carried variants in a gene known as BSN, quote, shown to cause early onset lethal epilepsy in mice, unquote, and therefore was probably the cause of their deaths. It turns out that Australia based its conviction on a British pediatrician who studied child abuse and concluded that in a single family, quote, one sudden infant death is a tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder until proven otherwise, unquote. So in other words, screw science and screw innocent until proven guilty. Let's not even give anybody any benefit of the doubt. Let's just convict them on circumstantial evidence. New story number two. A U.S. labor agency is seeking to force Starbucks Corporation to reopen 23 stores that were allegedly closed last year to discourage a nationwide union campaign. This is the latest case to accuse the coffee chain of illegal labor tactics. A regional director with the National Labor Relations Board said that eight of the U.S. stores had already unionized when they closed. I say, so what? I've never been to a Starbucks, probably never will be, but it's their business to run as they see fit. And if they believe a unionized work staff is not in their best interest, they should have every right to shut it down. I've said it before, and I will repeat it until I die. If you don't like your job or your pay, 
leave. You're not a slave. No one is holding a gun to your head to make you stay. Work is at more than 360 of Starbucks' 9,300 U.S. stores have voted to join unions since 2021. Good for them. They have every right to join one. But that shouldn't guarantee them a job beyond any job they create for themselves. If you want a guarantee, start your own business. Starbucks has denied wrongdoing and said it respects workers' rights to choose whether to unionize. Let me repeat the numbers again in case you missed them. Eight unionized Starbucks were closed out of 360. That's one out of every 45. Those numbers probably fall within natural attrition rate that you'd find in any corporate setup. Branches come and branches go on a regular basis. The Labor Department needs to stay out of it. The agency is seeking an order requiring Starbucks to immediately reopen at 23 stores and rehire employees, bargain with unions at stores that have unionized, and provide compensation to employees who lost pay and benefits. No. The only things that should determine whether a store stays open or not is profitability and the safety of its workers and the only people that should determine that is Starbucks forcing a store to stay open is no different than forcing a minority race to revert back to pre 14th amendment days if you get my drift new story number three the Israel Defense Forces have denied allegations by Human Rights Watch that they have used white phosphorus munitions in their military operations in Gaza, which is a weapon they have used against them in the past. Human Rights Watch stated, quote, white phosphorus, which can be used either for marking, signaling, and obscuring, or as a weapon to set fires that burn people and objects, has a significant incendiary effect that can severely burn people and set structures, fields, and other civilian objects in the vicinity on fire, unquote. Israel's military initially said it was, quote, not currently aware of the use of weapons containing white phosphorus in Gaza, unquote, before rewording it to, quote, the current accusation regarding the use of white phosphorus in Gaza is unequivocally false, unquote. Israel's military said in 2013 it was phasing out white phosphorus smokescreen munitions used during its 0809 offensive in Gaza, which drew war crimes allegations from various rights groups. The military at the time did not say whether it would also review use of weaponized white phosphorus, which is designed to incinerate anything in its path. White phosphorus is considered an incendiary weapon under Protocol 3 of the International Convention. The protocol prohibits using incendiary weapons against military targets located among civilians. Although Israel has not signed it and is not bound by it. So yeah, Israel doesn't give a you-know-what. 
In addition, up to 45% of the 29,000 air-to-ground munitions that Israel has dropped on Gaza since October 7 have been unguided dumb bombs, according to a U.S. intelligence assessment. That's almost 1,000 bombs per every Israeli killed. Seriously? Unguided bombs kill indiscriminately. Again, this is not about killing Hamas. It's about wiping out Palestinians. 90% of Palestinians have been displaced from their homes. That's the equivalent of Russia attacking Ukraine and displacing everyone who is not a resident of Kiev. Oh wait, we defend Ukraine from aggressors, but not Palestine. American hypocrisy shines as bright as ever. Israel tells Palestinians to move to the south. What do they do? Then they bomb the shit out of the south. Again, this is not about Hamas. It's about herding up a bunch of Palestinians and eliminating them. It's about blatant genocide. And we, we stand by. Not only do we watch it, but we even aid in its assistance. What is wrong with us? Since then, Israeli forces have besieged the coastal strip and laid much of it to waste, with nearly 19,000 people confirmed dead. People in Gaza described begging for bread, paying 50 times more than usual for a single can of beans, and slaughtering a donkey to feed a large family. You know, I'm not going to say what should happen to Netanyahu, but I can describe it in two words. Mysterious Disappearance. With that, it's time to take a break. I'll be back in about 40 seconds. Only 15% of podcasters will ever earn a single penny in profit. Yet more continue to record for one reason. They enjoy informing and entertaining. If you'd like to support this show, visit newsfolder19.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee or Merchandise links. All donations are greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Newsfolder 19. I want to give my usual shout-out to Dan Heim, the provider of the music, and also to Susan Kennedy, who is the voiceover artist for the show. Also, don't forget, you can purchase my book, The Independent Libertarian. A link is available on my website, newsfolder19.com support. With that, let's get into the final two stories. New story number four. Healthcare spending in the United States rose 4% in 2022 to $4.5 trillion. The estimated healthcare spending per person in the U.S. stood at $13,500. What are you doing to yourselves, people? I don't think I've spent that much in my entire adult lifetime, and I'm 65. The growth was driven by spending on Medicaid and private health insurance, with the insured share of the population surging to a historic high of 92%, 
according to data of the U.S. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The number of uninsured individuals declined for the third straight year to 26.6 million from 28.5 million the year before. Spending on health care surged 10.6% in 2020 and 3.2% in the following year. A statistician for CMS stated, while 2022's health care spending growth rate was more consistent with the average annual growth rate of 4.4 between 16 and 19, it remains to be seen how future spending will trend. Remains to be seen? Really? We are a fat-ass, lazy, junk-food-eating, processed-food-eating, take-the-easy-way-out, remote-control, hook-everything-up-to-Wi-Fi society. A fifth-grader can tell you how future spending will trend. Up, up, and up some more. Lazy-ass Americans are going to bankrupt this country. Do the country and economic service. Die off. And I only say that half-jokingly. Personal health care spending on hospital care, dental, clinical, and physician services slowed down a little bit, which is not the same as shrinking during the course of the year, while non-personal expenses accelerated, driven by a turnaround in the net cost of insurance because government demands a cover every damn thing. Medicaid spending surged 9.5%, reaching $805 billion. Health insurance spending grew to $1.3 trillion. Medicare spending rose 6% to $944 billion. I hate to repeat myself, but I always find it necessary. Get your exercise. Eat a healthy diet. Doctors continually admit that if everyone did so, the number of medical visits would shrink by almost half. Half of all problems people bring on themselves. Healthy people should not have to subsidize it. And last but not least, news story number five. Forgive my voice today, it's a little rough. Citing new scientific research, like we haven't known this for years, a coalition of farm worker, public health, and environmental advocates on Wednesday filed a legal petition with U.S. regulators demanding they immediately suspend authorization for the controversial weed-killing chemical called glyphosate. Good. This stuff needs to be eliminated or at least highly regulated. Farmers are going to hate me, but most of you use way too many pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, and just about every other side related to farming. In a paper published this month, National Institutes of Health cancer scientists said they found markers of genotoxicity in male farmers with high uses of glyphosate. The journal also published an accompanying article from environmental and occupational health researchers who called the new study important new evidence that should be considered in evaluating glyphosate safety. 
The study was the largest of its kind and provides mechanistic support for genotoxicity of glyphosate. Bill Fries, science director with the Center for Food Safety, the group leading the legal petition, stated, it's becoming increasingly untenable for the agency to deny the cancer hazard. Or is it? According to the CDC, cancer cases per 100,000 people have actually dropped since 1999 by about 10%. Is this because less people smoke? After all, lung cancer is now only about 13% of all cancer diagnostics. Cancer has a lot of factors, but when I look at a map, a state map of new cancer rates, I see no obvious conclusion that ag states are worse than any other state. On the other hand, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that chemicals are not good for you. Glossophate is the most heavily applied herbicide in history. Monsanto's Roundup weed killer has been used by farmers, as well as consumers, myself included on occasion, for more than 40 years. Officials with Monsanto and its German owner Bayer AG have always assured the public and regulators that exposure to the weed killer does not pose a threat to human life. Well, of course that's what they're going to say. Their livelihood depends on the product. Are they going to say otherwise? The EPA has also said glyphosate is safe, and surely the government never lies. <laughs> yeah, I think you know better. This all goes back to my last story on healthcare. We need to start living our lives more naturally. Paying 10% more for food that's far less chemically enhanced and less available, perhaps due to less production, can save us endless amounts of healthcare costs as we age. In the long term, we are better off health-wise and money-wise. With that, I'll call it another podcast. There will not be a podcast next week due to the Christmas holiday, so this is my last of the year. I do plan on doing one within a day or two after New Year's Day. So until then, you know the mantra. Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to News Folder 19. All rights are reserved and unauthorized use is prohibited. However, you may share the podcast links. Till next time, have a great day.